I don't know if you can feel it. I feel much calmer today. My feelings are directly tied to my revenue. <laughs> and that and that's how people commit suicide, everybody. <laughs> What's up? I did something last week and I'm pretty proud of it and I'm really happy of what happened. So let me let me explain to you guys what happened. I feel like I was listening to my first million, as you guys know, and uh, I applied to Sam Paris Hampton. Now, Sam Paris Hampton is this community. The tagline is highly vetted private community for entrepreneurs. And I liked it. They said their sweet spot was $20 million a year or something. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to apply anyway, even though I would make $20 million. So I applied and I don't know why in my head I thought it was going to be free. But anyway, I go through the application process. At the end, they dropped the prize. It's like eight, nine K. And um, I didn't even feel like they were selling. Like it was so natural. And I was like, yeah, please take me in because it was like invite only. You had to go through a vetting process. Can you believe this shit, Marcos? After I gave them the verbal, yes, of course I'll pay. They told me, oh, by the way, you're not a good fit. I don't think it's going to work. I'm like, you know what's what's interesting about this? And I I had some thought on this because I'm like, if the sweet spot, let's just say the sweet spot's 20 million. Does does that mean 20 million, you have to be at 20 million or is the average 20 million? I think that's when you can contribute to the most tourist group. But I think the minimum is 1 million as long as you've had an exit. So I'm like, I kind of qualify. So I'm like, yeah, let me try it. Yeah. But well, you know what I was thinking? I'm just like, when you think about your network, right? You want people that are both above you at your level and below you. And I think there's value in having someone like you who's in the lower millions. And I want this to sound like a coping segment, but someone who's a specialist, right? You're my therapist now. Yeah. Right. For example, right. Alex Ramosi is networking with like these YouTubers, like the Mr. Beast and Airax, like guys who aren't doing a hundred million a year in revenue take home. Um, but they're a specialist at one thing, right? So they're in that lower, but they're in the lower revenue bracket, but they're at the peak of their segment, right? So you're in like that lower, you're only at a, you're only at a million, but you are essentially one of the best, if not the best when it comes to Twitter monetization. So having someone like that would be interesting because what's the point of having a bunch of just like $20 million VC guys? Like, Oh, I I, I see 20 million points with that. There's <laughs> <laughs> 20 million reasons why. Yeah, but, um, yeah, let me, let me continue on this. So I, got, I was I was so angry. Not angry, but just kind of like, ah, this motherfucker. So Sam, if you're listening to this, you're the best and the worst thing that has happened to me in the past two weeks. So let me explain. I said, I'm going to study this guy's marketing because if you jo- go to joinhampton.com, it's really good. It's not apply. It's not buy now. It's not, a, it's not a funnel per se. It's more of an invite. You know, it's not buy now, but you're welcome to apply if you'd like. And I tried it. I applied and I really liked it as a good example for uh, instead of pushing people towards a solution, pulling people towards a solution. As in, you, you can apply if you'd like, and I really like it because we already have some valuable people inside. So then, you know, greatness inspires greatness. I'm like, oh, well, from that, I started like kind of reassessing how I sold my own program. And I thought, how can I make people, instead of pushing it to them, how can I make people want to be here? And I thought, okay, here's a play. I'm going to get all my homies that we started ever since 2020 on Twitter, uh, the, the gang. And I'm going to tell them, hey, let's have a let's have a 100K plus follower only call and my clients. And let's all discuss some insider game of what's working today on Twitter. Now, like, how I got people in this is kind of funny because 
you got to be scrappy, right? Because the first thing you, uh, like if you're invited to a party, first thing you ask is who's coming, right? So you got to get some names riled up. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me message my, like my close friends, John, uh, Constas, Eddie Kwan, Danco, which I've been referred to as Danco's friend several times and I'm kind of sick of it. But anyway, I've talked to these guys and I'm like, would you want to come? And they're like, yeah. So from those, I, with those names already, I was asking some other names and then asking some other names. And eventually we riled it up. The pitch was, hey, we're going to do this call with like insider like strategies, right? And then we got like, I don't know, maybe 25 people confirmed above 100K followers. I'm like, oh, great. This is awesome. So this was my fault as an entrepreneur. Um, it's been my fault as an entrepreneur for the longest time. It's starting things. I was good at like getting getting the first initial buy-in, but at the end you gotta deliver too, right? You gotta you gotta make it like really nice because if not, these guys are gonna hate me and they're never gonna come back. So I'm like, how can I deliver like a good good experience for them? So I thought, what would be a good like strategy or like format for this call? And this is a format I landed in. So I'm gonna invite all these guys and I'm gonna tell them. You can ask anybody a question, anybody you want from all these heavy hitters, right? You can ask anybody a question. Then that person could choose to answer or not to answer, right? Because we don't want to get like too nosy and stuff, although we did get kind of nosy on it. So if they answer, that person can ask somebody else. If they don't answer, then you can ask somebody else. That way, it allows for two things. One is it allows for the highest performers in the group to speak more, right? Because most people are going to want to ask them. And two is it allows you not to feel bad about asking because you know that if you ask someone a question, you will also give them a chance to ask somebody else a question. So kind of, you know, that came through like after three cigarettes of thinking. So did you follow that on your own? Yeah, I did. It was, it's genius because when I, when I saw it unfold, I was like, one, it's genius because the introvert host doesn't actually have to do any work <laughs> other than keeping it, you know, on the time limit. Two, it Which was is, it was incredible. Yeah, it was no, but it was incredible just to see like a almost like a spider web of of mega like hitters just networking with each other in real time to the point where at least a handful of people made connections to where they were gonna talk after the call. Like yes. amongst each other. I'll DM you after, I'll talk about it more offline. Like I'll send you a voice note in the DMs. Like I'll, I'll shoot you an email. Like that happened multiple, multiple times throughout the call with all sorts of different connections. So if anything, you, you made it so valuable for them. Like some of these people probably got like six or seven figures worth of value, right? So it's like worth it. And I was so happy when that happened because I was like, you know, the pressure was on because I'm like, how do I, of course my clients are going to get a lot from it because they're going to listen into the call, but how do how do I make it good for them, right? How, how do I make them enjoy it? And when that was happening, I was like, oh, great, you're going to want to come back, right? But then another thing kicked in and I, I was like super, like kind of, it required me challenging myself again, which was incredibly uncomfortable. So I like this from my Alex Hormozzi. He says three things that hold us back as entrepreneurs are skills, traits, and the hardest one is beliefs. So I, I had these kind of beliefs that I just, I did something and now I, I need to get something, right? I'm like, I need to get it now. So that's when I was using about using all this marketing material because people were DMing me on, on Slack, right? In the community, uh, Brian, he's just like, 
bro, it's my birthday. This was the best birthday gift ever, even though it was 1 a.m. my time. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And some people were like, this is special. And you're like, I've been listening to this for the fifth time, right? I'm like, oh, great. There you go. And I wanted to use all that. Then, but then I was like, Marcos, how should I leverage this? Like, how do I use this to get an ask? And then I, I, I kind of twitch when you reply, you don't. You wait. This is your opportunity to generate goodwill. And I've been running at that rough response brand. It was uncomfortable. And I really didn't like it. And I was like, but this can book so many calls, right? But then I'm like, no, man, wait. I just posted it and I said, hey, follow everybody. No ask. I didn't even mention we host. I didn't even mention who hosted it. I just said we hosted it. And uh, and yeah, so just just got the goodwill of it. And in the end, I thought, okay, this doesn't end here. We did a summary. We send it to everybody. No ask. I'm just like, hey, this is the part where you ask the question. Your most relevant is at minute 57, whatever, so you can take it there. And that's kind of how, how we hosted the call. And I, it was super uncomfortable because I'm, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not like used to just like giving, giving, giving without asking, even though I know that is a longest route. But sometimes I'm like, we know what we need to do, but I'm like, why don't we do it? Right. You know, you need to have this tough conversation. Yeah. Why don't you have it? You know, you need to stop doing whatever is like killing you. Why don't you do it? And sometimes it's, it's the inertia that kills you. And, um, you know, the really hard, not hard, but really like kind of annoying thing of not being joined, not being accepted into Hampton and you telling me, don't fuck it up. Like it really helped, you know, it, yeah. like that, that really, that really helped. But that was, that was the story of how, how that happened. And, uh, yeah, you want to, yeah. you have something to add to that one? Yeah. It's, it's. Like you said, it's like a, it's the beliefs thing. And it reminds me of the quote of Layla Hormosi, what she says is like, who you are to get to zero to 1 million is a lot different than who you have to be to get to one to 10. And I feel like you had, ev you have everything to get to zero to one, but especially as like a, a third worlder coming up and just, you basically took what wasn't given, right? You, you literally grabbed that like million, million dollars. <laughs> um, but now it's like, at some point you don't have, you don't need it right now. You know what I mean? You don't need those short term. You could have booked 50 calls, but you don't need that 50 calls right now, right? It'd be much better to play the long game here and, and do it. And I think it was the most valuable. It's one of the most valuable calls. Of, it's probably the most valuable call I've ever been on. I stayed up till two in the morning or whatever it was. Oh, it's your time too because you're in Boston, yeah. right? Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in Indonesia. So it's just like, and I was just wired. Like I was listening. Um, I barely left at the end because I was actually like, it was getting too late and I had calls at 5 a.m. <laughs> Um, but no, it was, it was amazing. And, and it's something that, you know, hopefully I, maybe in like two years, we'll be able to release it to the public and it'll be like looking back and they'll see who's on the call and they'll be like, wow, look at all of these pillars, eight figure, nine figure killers one day, all of them have exited. All of them are these BC guys with personal brands. They're going to be like, wow, they were on the call. Right. Cause imagine you could get, it'd be physically impossible to get Musk, Bezos, Munger, Buffett, all on one call right now. But in imagine there was a call if technology existed back then, forty years ago, of a Zoom call of all of them as early stage entrepreneurs on like a hundred K call on Twitter. Like imagine that. Or that's what how I see it one day. So that I'm just like on my Gary V this is my Gary V moment, but I think it it just has this delay. You know, just delay so hard is worth it. It's so hard though. Yeah, like it because it's not just logical; it's also emotional. You have to control your traits. You have to like reframe your 
your beliefs and not selling is harder than selling. Well, this is a good Honestly. segue. It's a good segue into um, the whole partnering up with the big boys thing that you said. Uh, yes, in, in yes. Doc. You're really good at that. You're really good at getting people to vouch for you and be be on your team. And uh, right. like, as as somebody who's like, one of your superpowers, because I don't know if you're going to say it because you, you are you're humble that way, but it's like, you're so good and not, you, like, you know what your brand has? If I could describe it in one sentence, your brand has, I don't fucking need you energy and it that's what makes it so good but it's hard because you were like you know you, you weren't in the best of financial situations starting out you're way better now but in the beginning like you you haven't wavered on that you haven't waved on the i don't need you energy that your brand has and i feel like that has attracted a lot of people to your brand but i want to ask if like that's how you see it or is there something else and if like you develop it how does that work you know, it goes back to like my, just like growing up, my parents didn't have much. I moved like 15 times to, you know, like I went to like four different, five different schools, like all this stuff and they never had much, right? But they always never showed struggle to me and my, maybe my brother or and my little sister when she was born. I remember like my, my earliest memory, I still remember this to this day, was when the Game Boy SP came out, my parents bought me and my brother matching Game Boy SPs back then like it was like the thing to have brand new we were poor we don't we didn't have any money like my parents were living paycheck to paycheck for the next decade after that right like so for them to be able to do that like i never knew my parents were struggling they gave me everything i ever wanted right so as i carried that into adulthood i just had no affinity for like i never show i've never showed struggle i've never had to show hunger because my parents gave that to me where they never showed the weakness right never showed weakness even if they were, even if they were weak, right? Even if they were like paycheck to paycheck, they would never, you would never know it, right? They always put that on the front on to make it seem like they were good and just like delaying that, that goodwill. So I kind of carried that as a personality trait. And now into business, I even moved to New York City. I have to, I made like, you know, a little bit of money on crypto, like, but I made, I moved to New York City and within six months, I was back to pretty much having nothing. But I just like lived in the most expensive place in the whole, like on the planet, right? Other than like Singapore and Switzerland and like, right? It's yeah. New York City. Um, and then I joined your thing and I was like, I just always act that way, right? You would never know that I'm struggling. Um, so maybe that's what well, I've heard. How do these conversations start? Do they DM you? Do you DM them? Can you disclose like what you told me like a few days ago? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, prominent agency guy that I'm, I'm going to partner up with now. Um, he's basically doing like 10x our revenue, but the same target market. Um, it was essentially a networking call. Like I've, the way I network is very much like I follow, I comment here and there. Eventually I DM and I make conversation. I try to provide value where I can. What do you think on the DM? Like asking a question about a tweet kind of thing. Um, like it, when it's someone that I can relate to, I can DM something knowledgeable, like, for example, you tweet the 100K call, and I'm like, it would be a good idea to delay the ask, right? Like, that's something I would have DM'd you if I was, if you didn't know me right now. Like, it'd be cool if you just, like, don't even, like, market this. Like, that would be, like, it's just an idea, right? So something like that. Um, and then eventually what happened is um, this person knew my clients. I saw him essentially interacting with my clients in a way where I was like, by the way, that's my client. Like, do you like his stuff? I'm like, yeah, because that's our agency doing that stuff. Like, by the way, like, and then he was like, no way, no shit. And then 
that's how the conversation started. And then to the point where we realized that my agency and his agency fill each other's gaps. And then the rest is history. And now we're, we're hopefully in a do a partnership. And it's just, that's kind of how I've always networked to the, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people um, in, in our space and it, it always comes from asking a knowledgeable question and providing some knowledgeable value, but where I can, like I asked someone, I, I saw someone in the agency space um, who I look up to put an auto DM out. And I was like, your auto DM, just like, for example, he'd put a retweet plus comment. I DM'd him like, try this with like plus comment because retweet plus comment isn't good anymore. It's not in. So if you take that, that's some technical value. And he did it, right? And that's like, good value. I just gave him that value. And then a week later, I, I sent him a voice note asking him a, a question. Then if he didn't answer, he didn't answer, but he did, right? And now we have a relationship. I sent him a referral the week later. And then now we have a relationship. That's another person, right? So that's how I network is you just lead with value. That's how you That's how you know that people like you, by the way. It's because you send voice notes and they reply. You send me a voice note, I would never fucking reply. I hate voice notes. Everybody in my team is like, it, this is one of my pet peeves, by the way. It's like voice notes are strictly prohibited for employees. Like you cannot send me a voice note. It's just straight up disrespectful, in my opinion, because it's it's one ask you sending the voice note and asking for 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 a reply. It's another ask trying them to decrypt your or encrypt your. Um, by the way, oh, it is my rule. My rule for the voice notes is like, for example, the 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 thing is is. Voice notes are technically only a convenience for the sender, but if there is a situation where it is more convenient for the reader to have the voice note too, for example, if the voice note's three or four minutes long, that text would be so long you would never read it. So it's easier to have a voice note if you're going to send a, a fucking essay. So then in that, I'm not going to send a 30-second voice note because I can just type that, but if it's a four-minute voice note, that would have been a novel to type out. So in that case, it's easier to listen. Well. JK's a fucking voice note hater. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm I'm glad you're really I respect your opinions and a lot of things. You're straight up fucking wrong on this one. I'm just <laughs> sorry. Let's go to the next one. You I, I wanna I wanna expand on what Jack Butcher on a I'm a Jack Butcher fanboy, man. Like Me I'm too. Stuff. He, Me too. he has some it's the simplicity of stuff. And you said you gotta lead with value. Right? You gotta you gotta lead with value, but that, that's like such a big buzzword, right? So it's like what is value? And I went so deep into it because what what I realized is you can learn a lot of what words actually mean and advance your understanding of them if you go through the origin of the world of the word. So did I ever talk to you about what stress actually means in Latin or whatever where it's from? So stress is really interesting. So what stress means, like literally the word, is when you <clears throat> have an object that wants to be in two places at once. Right, so if you pull a spoon in two directions, then it's it's stressed, which means that maybe if you're facing stress right now, it's because you want to be in two places at once. There's one decision you haven't made, right? So if you leave one, then you flow to the other one. You accept the outcome, right? So stress is because you want to do two things at once: drop one desire and the other one, and stress goes away. So I was going really deep on what is value. I wanted to really understand this and. Value comes from the word, uh, I think it's Latin, valere. Valere means that to to be strong, like to 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 have the capability of, a, of accomplishment because you have that strength to do it. And then I went into the Jack Butcher thing. And he has a really good definition in his course, uh, Build One, Sell Twice. He says, value is when you do something that people don't do, can't do, uh, don't do, won't do, or can't 
do. So I'll give you an example. So don't do it's uh, like, for example, don't do it's a collection of chat GPT or why talking about chat GPT. Like people don't do that generally, but it provides some sort of value. It's the lowest tier value, but you can do it. Upper tier value. What people won't people won't collect a hundred prompts that are useful for your writing. For example, that's a more valuable. If you see it in a thread, you can see why the second one would perform better, right? Right. Now, the third one, can't do coding an AI tool that's actually useful. Remember the tool you shared? Uh, what was the tool about sales calls that it analyzes your power questions? What does it do? Uh, no free promo. No, it's a uh, Read AI. <laughs> okay. So what what does Read AI do? So read AI, it's it's one of the many um, Zoom or, or video call recorders, but it also, what it does is it analyzes your speech. It gives you a speech score. It gives you engagement scores, sentiment ratings. It also tells you how many filler words you use, such as like, but, um, et cetera. Um, it'll, it'll rate you. It'll coach you. It'll give you some recommendations. And on top of that, it'll transcript it, give you a highlight reel, a two-minute highlight reel. It'll cut it up for you, give you key objectives, questions, so... I have my VA doing the audience questions that you told me about. Um, it's directly in Read AI. It just tells you the questions. It's crazy. It's so, so good. Mm. And that is the higher tier of value because, you know, we can't fucking code that. Then. No. So, nope. well, no, that's not within the scope of our capabilities at the moment. Right. And probably never will. But anyway, that's those are like the three tiers of value. So I've been thinking about when I create content, how do I make it valuable? That is the upper question, but the real and nitty gritty question is how do I turn this into something that gives them strength, Valerian, to do something that they don't do, won't do, or they can't do? And I that definition has really helped me look at tweets and think, ah, this is kind of shit for me because this is not doing any of these three, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I think uh, about creating valuable content and delivering value. So maybe for the things that you said, DM people, when you would DM me, uh, hey, don't don't ask, right? That's something that I, it's not something I can't do, but it's something maybe I won't do. Mm. But then, then it's valid, right? So if I think about it that way, you can, yeah, go ahead. No, I was thinking like just as an agency owner, I think of it as that's how you charge more is when you get to the top. Like at the bottom, it's, what is it, don't do? So like they don't make YouTube videos so you can make YouTube videos for them, right? And then they won't do is what, what won't they do? Do all the crazy edits and the crazy thumbnails and stuff. Okay. Now you're in the middle, right? Like they won't do that. Or what is it? Don't. And then something else. And then the last ones can't, but I guess the can't would be like Control crazy. Good. Yeah. Like, or the crazy, the crazy, uh, what did you call it? The crazy animations and all that stuff. Like it's interesting. Like agency, you can start as the bottom and then you work your way up when you iterate your product because product is king. And I could talk about product forever. This whole podcast could just be about product. I'm, so, product. I'm obsessed with product. I love. Product. I think. It, I think it's the coolest thing. Uh, yeah. Products is the main thing. If you read, uh, we've talked about this before. I think, but if you read Ray Kroc, that's Don McDonald's founder's biography. I think it's called Grinding It Out. Um, bro, it's seventy pages of paper cups and milkshakes. Like it's not even burgers. Like I'm in yeah. the middle of the book. He hasn't started talking about burgers. It's all been how to place paper cups, how to make them better, how to make milkshakes taste better, how we make it more efficient. If you if you want to understand like what is the value of product in a business and understand that that is the best thing you could have better than the best marketing better than whatever if you have great product uh, at a lot of like top top level entrepreneurs say this Ray Kroc says this 
Alex Ramosi says this. Steve fucking Jobs said it. It starts with product. So uh, you know what's what, what do you want to take it from here? Something super interesting about product that I, I learned a little bit actually today and yesterday I was reading. Uh, I'm reading Sam Walton right now. I was reading on the, the assault bike. And uh, shameless plug, I, I do the assault bike. Um, anyways, and someone, no, no, no. <laughs> someone said um, Starbucks. I, someone was like, I don't understand this because Starbucks' coffee is shitty and they're the biggest coffee company in the world. How could, how could product be king if, if Starbucks is the biggest coffee and they have the worst coffee but they're the biggest brand but the product isn't the coffee of starbucks the product is the brand that's why they're the biggest coffee brand in the world is because their product isn't how great the coffee is there are a thousand coffee brands better than starbucks but none of them have a more powerful and more resonating brand than starbucks all the crazy secret menu drinks the lifestyle my mom collects the starbucks mugs I know people that collects the Starbucks color-changing sippy straw cups. It's the most powerful brand in, in the coffee industry. And it made me think because I was reading Sam Walton. Again, I was like, man, as I'm getting through the book, I'm like, his product sucks. His, his stores were low ceilings. He had shitty lights. All of, the, prod, all of the, the clothes and everything was just stacked on top of each other. They smelled like shit. Like It was actually like the worst store in the industry. But the product wasn't what you bought or where you went the product was that it was the cheapest all the time always it was always the cheapest stuff you went to walmart you knew you were getting the cheapest no matter what always they were always priced below their competitors so their product was being discounted while starbucks product is brand so what product is is a lot different than what people might think i like i love it i love it i want to add another one because i was listening to the founders podcast on steve jobs and he said when when admin like brought, for example, ads Steve Jobs, they were gonna start to explain it, and then Steve would be like, "Shut up, just show me the ad," because the people listening to it wouldn't have you as the context provider, right? When they showed him technology, they would start explaining. He said, "Shut up, let me use it," right? Because people won't have that context, mm-hmm. right? He says, "We're building products for this stressed out mom that's." Just like he's, she's in the midst of everything. She needs to call someone. She's stressed out because she has to pick up her kids from school. That product should be simple, elegant, and easy to use. But then you could argue like what you said, but Apple isn't that good of a product if I want to be an AI tool. <laughs> yeah, they're right because it's not for it. Right. That's not, that's not the goal. So it kind of goes back to what problem are we solving for here? You know, you know what I mean? Like, well, what are we trying to accomplish? And this is why I'm not a fan of solving many problems. I'm a fan of solving one problem in an excellent way that nobody else does. Well, this is interesting because this goes like if you if people who are, are listening have listened to every episode thus far, they've heard me say, I believe, the quote that everything is expensive without context. But now I'm rethinking this because I'm like, if everything's expensive without context, how can I sell something without context? And the way to sell something without context is to have a reputation and have a good product. Because if you are... If someone is referred to buying your product, they have context. If somebody hears that you are the best product, they have context, right? So it's your job to create the reputation that you are the best product and that you have the best product. And that's how I think things can sell themselves above $5,000, $10,000, $40,000, right? You know what I mean? So I think it's interesting. It's like, for example, Hampton, right? 
it started and they had sales calls and they have all this stuff and they, it, it's going to be, it's high ticket and all this, right? I guarantee you if they opened it again, it would sell itself. Because now everybody knows that Hampton's this big thing and it's, there's people, they have context, right? Even we're talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Us and talking about it makes it valuable, right? So now there's context. So they probably could sell it without sales calls if they really wanted. But obviously I get that they have a vetting process. Yeah. You, you understand my point, right? Yeah, uh, of course. Of course it do. Of course it do. It's super kinda, interesting. Kind of leads into the, um, into the next thing. I feel like we're all... We have such a low attention span. We just jump from topic to topic. It's a good thing we have this Google Doc. We'd be fucked without it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, by the way, guys, we transitioned from Slack messages to Google Doc. Talk about yeah. product, motherfucker. Product. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna put it on the screen with a little chalkboard at the in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it at the editors. I don't. I need okay. pay them more to do that. But let's get into this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Quinn, don't charge me more. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's get into this thing. So you said um, what I've learned from a mastermind I joined. So I joined a mastermind. Everybody, I uh, joined Takin Moore's uh, boardroom. So he has black belts uh, and there's boardroom. Black belts for people from 10K to to 83K a month. And then it's boardroom for people above that. So I joined, I joined black belt, graduated into boardroom. And you asked, what, what have I learned? On these masterminds, and you know what I what I really understand? It's uh, I I think it's two things. Well, it's it's one that kind of nails into the other, but a lot of these things are not so much for knowledge. And this is gonna sound really bad, but they're more for therapy, like group therapy among people. Because the higher you rise, the less relatable your problems are. So when you go to these levels of masterminds, you can have conversations, finally, again, with other people who actually understand you, right? For example, I've done, like, what I'm having with you right now, what I had, like, in the middle, beginning of the podcast, like, I built a 200,000 follower brand following this method, but now I found a better method and I'm scared. I don't know what I should do, right? And I, I got rejected from this and now I'm hosting this call and if I make a bad move, then... You know, a good move when you have a big audience, you're, you have leverage when you have a big audience. So your good moves turn into great moves. Your bad moves turn into horrendous business decisions that can kill you. So those are not problems I can look up in a fucking gun or a PDF. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I need to ask these people. So it's more like you, you almost pay for the problem relatability that higher level have. And that's one of the biggest ones. Of course, the tactical advice is great. Of course, the little things are great. But it's like, it, it's just knowing that you're not the only one. It's got to be okay. Don't worry about it. That really, really helped in those level of masterminds. And it sounds kind of shitty, but it, it is. Like, it is group therapy at a point, And it really makes it very valuable. Well, it's interesting because, and this is something I've I, I've been thinking about actually the, the past few days. And I was thinking about Gary Vee. Because he was one of the first people I learned about in entrepreneurship, you know, back in 2019. Um, and I read his book, Crushing It, and all of this stuff. And I and I was like, this is great. This is great. And then I started failing. And I was like, if his advice sucks, it's too broad. Like, this advice isn't helping me. This guy's full of shit. All, all of this stuff. And then, you know, three, four, five years later to, to present day. And I'm like, man, Gary Vee, is, he was right all along. Because I've gotten, I've leveled up to the point where I don't need that as much specific advice. 
And now I'm like, I'm looking at that broad advice from Gary Vee that he's continued to give consistently for literally five years since I- Can you give examples of wh which one was the the one that kind of changed for you? Um, Yes. Like the big one is just, it, honestly, it, it sounds cliche, but leading with value and, 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 and having empathy among, but not just in general, but empathy internally, like with my team. So it's a big thing that I've done is, is build like a really amazing culture at my agency. It's, it's public. It's a public culture. Me and my, me and my team are always shit, shit posting on the timeline. Like we're everywhere. Right. Um, it's, it's gotten to a point now where we have people that want to work for us. They at, go out of their way to send in applications and I don't even post any job postings. Right. But what that came from is having empathy. Like I level with my writers immediately and I'm like, I want you guys to have this X, Y, and Z lifestyle. And I want you guys to work X, Y, and like this is, I basically gave them exactly the lifestyle that I think that they can live based on the shoes that they're in. Cause I know where they're from and I know the kind of people they are. And I knew how they grew up because I grew up that way. So having that empathy internally will help me create a really great culture, but also a loyal team. Um, and that's something that, you know, Gary Vee saying empathy when you're trying to make your first 5k online and you're fucking starving, you're like, yeah, fuck my empathy. <laughs> yeah. I might as well say fairy dust. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on. Fuck, yeah. Fuck your empathy. And then you get to like newer levels when you're at less pressure and you're like, Danny is right all along. That's something I'm going to tell him one day. I'm going to shake his hand, but it's funny because his advice has been consistent. But like you said, at a higher level, like that people have less relatable problems and it's more general advice, but you need it. Right. It's exactly. advice for exactly. people who can relate. I feel like the, the general advice that you mentioned, people, people who need it are either people who are like, are really far from making it or really close or already made it. But the people in the middle, they don't want any other general advice. For example, let me, let me give you an example. So People who are just like not trying to make like they're super, super far away from making it. If you tell them the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, it's like, oh my God, so true, bro. Thank you for the mindset advice. If you tell somebody who's like super advanced, the journey yeah. of a thousand miles begins with a simple step. Oh my God, that's so true. I needed that. If you tell somebody that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, they'll give you a thousand fuck yous, man. Like... Mm -hmm. Teach me copyright. It's the IQ curve. It's the IQ. Yeah. Like the, the yeah. bottom and the top IQ are like, yeah, man. And the middle IQ is like, no. <laughs> Except it's like it's when people get mad at platitudes, to me, it's like, yeah, you're mad at it because you haven't understood it. Yeah. You know? Once I see, I see this is like back to the Hormozy. It's like uh, Alex's content is really good at the, for the beginners and the really, really high level, almost vision, the vision stuff. But like Layla's content is super relatable to me right now. It's like, vetting talent and doing operations and have building a culture like that's Layla's content right that was shit to me 10 months ago 10 months ago I'm like Alex Hormozzi his content's so good and now I'm like I really am diving into Layla's content and I imagine after if I exit my company in three years or four years I'll probably be back on Alex's content right it's just like you move in waves but I see some people that are like that they'll shit on these people they're like their content sucks I'm like it's just not right for you now it's like a exactly thing. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe you graduated it, you know? It's like, Yeah, you graduated. It, it's like if a PhD in physics shit on a high school teacher for teaching you how to, you know, do basic math. It's like, no, bro. It's like, it's at a different level. It's not, if your high school teacher didn't teach you how to add, then you'd probably be more fucked than you are right now. Gary so, talks about it. Gary Gary says, like, I like I know I'm never going to get, like, a million views per video because most people watch my channel for a few months and then they don't need me anymore. 
and then they just he's just he's just been consistently getting like 20 to 50k views on on average for like 20 years so it's just like he's okay with that because he knows people graduate his content and then they come when they need them you know what i mean he's just he'll always be there though it's like it's insane that's uh that's such a powerful move by the way where it's like uh, let me tell you a different side of like the, the coin to what you just mentioned where he says yeah my videos will never reach a million views so if a, if a video doesn't reach a million views that maybe he deep down he hoped would reach a million views it's like no bro because people will graduate or they don't need you right you can use that excuse as well as well as if a thread of mine that i'm like i hope this goes viral doesn't go viral i'm like oh bro but likes in cash well like don't worry about it like you can use that card well maybe you know this is i think for maybe you can heavily relate to gary right now with your 100k calls um you will have a v friends moment one day and if you think about what gary did with his brand what's a v friends moment so let me explain he went just so much value up front and goodwill with his content for a decade and he essentially became the the entry point for a million entrepreneurs, like including myself. Like how many people can say like, oh yeah, Gary, man, he was one of the first people I looked up to as an entrepreneur. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million. 10 years later, he finally comes out with V. And I don't know if it was this cynical, by the way, but it's this is how it happened. This is the reality. He met with V friends and he saw an opportunity. And V friends is now, his, was his essentially his giant, liquidity event where he cashed in a decade of goodwill if not 20 30 years of goodwill he cashed that in on befriends they did like a hundred million dollars but all that goodwill he built up for a decade plus in in his content and in all the advice and in, in creating a, a generation of entrepreneurs he cashed in with befriends and it's like it was an insane liquidity event insane because every one of those entrepreneurs is now like i want to be friend like i want to be a part of gary v's immediate network i want to go to vcon right so that's you're gonna have your be friends moment one day where you just give so much goodwill like obviously you're, you're building tweets and clients like you're gonna make your money along the way like he had vayner media vayner x vayner sports but you're gonna have this big moment one day where you cash in you're gonna have like five million followers and it's gonna be like now nah, this is my thing yeah i would love that that'll be cool i've been thinking about doing um it's it's many things but most of the things that I've encountered that have been very beneficial to me actually came by by accident. So Lexington Cash, right? I pretty pretty strong logo, easy like easy to remember. One time I was in Austin with Danny Miranda, and this random dude I don't know him. He comes up to me and was wearing this hat. He tells me, "Let me guess, you help people monetize their audience." I'm like, "Damn fucking right I do. That's correct." So I, I like so it, it's a good name. That is and that that came from randomness because I, you know, I built a huge account. I was broke. And then I didn't know what to do, which then I met Chad Butcher. He posted engagement ain't cash. I'm like, drop the engagement. And then we called it like, like I couldn't have predicted that. So if I wanted to say right now, oh yeah, well, I'm planning on this, this, and this. That probably won't be the case in two months. Right. Things just change so fast. But if, 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 I wanted to say what I do. I I've always wanted to do something physical, something in the physical world. I like I like that that game. You know, it's like what what I build is of course it's online, it's it's info, it's but it's it's still bites. You know, I want like I don't know fucking merch, maybe bu- building something. You know, something that has like a like an actual place. It hasn't come to you. Yes. Yeah, it hasn't come. Yeah, yeah. in the world, but uh that's going to be in the future. How about you? Are you thinking about your your V-Friends event? 
I have uh, I have my I have my my three my three to five year plan. I don't have after that. Um, I always say like this is just more so my placeholder plan. It's like one day I'm just going to get into e- private equity and just like have my hand in all of like all the things that interest me, which will probably be true. But I don't know what my V friends event is right now. I'm just like so I'm all in on the birdhouse. The birdhouse is my my five year plan. But, um, okay, so li- little plug. Let's do a little plug. What's the birdhouse? The Birdhouse is the number one Twitter marketing agency on the planet. There you go. There you go. I concur. Yeah. So, uh, real. I was. I wanted to say something cool, but I. I missed it. Uh, okay, you. You can go ahead. Is there anything else you want to cover? Um, let's go to uh, something more specific that I've. I've been thinking about because this is where the Birdhouse is headed. Um, and I'm just going to totally dox part of my plans because I'm pretty confident no one will ever execute it the way I want to. And it's, well, one uh, thing. One thing. Uh, one thing I wanted to. Add. This is like blue balls and a half. <laughs> but I remembered it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, God, I just remembered it. You know, I had, uh, you were like, "Yeah, I want to do this. I want to be in private equity." And I was like, oh, "I have such a good comment here, but I forgot it." And I like, you know what the biggest flex ever is? Like, they're even even better than not maybe not as good as your mom asking if what you do for work is illegal because that's like the top echelon. Like, you cannot get higher than that, right? Realistically, but the, a level below that is when people go. Imagine you just go to an event. And the biggest flex you can ever make is people introduce you as, hey, this is Marcus Ruiz, philanthropy. It's like, yeah. if you do philanthropy, you like, you're a billionaire philanthropist. Yeah, it's like, that's it. That's my goal. Uh, my goal is for people to introduce me as a philanthropist. That That is the top, top level. That's how you know you're a... My Instagram bio in 2017 was billionaire, philanthropist, playboy, and something else. It's the Tony Stark thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I always wanted to be Tony Stark, but um, no, I want to talk right. about, I want to talk about newsletters. No, uh, Birdhouse. No, you were going to say something about Birdhouse. Oh, that's that. That's it. That's it. Oh, okay, so, uh, go go. I think I we're going to move towards building. I want to build like Milk Road style. Um, the hustle and Milk Road have been on my radar for a long time. I've built. What's the hustle and Milk Road? They're both. I mean, the way what it, for the context of the of the conversation, they're both media brands that have massive newsletters. Um, and I call them media brands because they both have more than newsletters, right? Um, I want to turn this into not only just an agency, but something like VaynerMedia, how it's a media brand as well as an agency, right? Uh, VaynerMedia has 137 PM and they have VaynerX, Vayner Sports, their talent agency, advertising agency, uh, blog, media brand, et cetera. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards, uh, for the birdhouse. So that leads us into newsletters, which is on the list and I'm yes. interested I'm interested yes. in what kind of res- revelation you had around newsletters. Huge, man. It was, and again, it's another example of, I'm going to say this and a lot of people will probably say, JK, but that's fucking obvious. Well, yeah, bro, but I didn't know it. Now I do. Okay. So here's what it is. When we asked in the hundred K follower call, I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to reveal any, anything, but it's like a recurring thing was grow your newsletter and don't fuck it up. Grow your newsletter. Just keep growing that thing because that is the most powerful asset you could have. And it was me asking about funnels and and setters and and you know broad versus niche content. And like we had pretty different strategies. A bunch of people on the call. Some people were like sell every day. Some people were like just I, I never sell. Both very successful, right? So that means there's more than one way to score a goal, right? But the one one of the few things that everybody agreed on was grow the newsletter and don't fuck it up. Okay. So I'm like, oh, let me try that. So I switched up. 
my lead magnet honestly it was kind of outdated so i just changed it to more of a general newsletter some mental models that people do like it when i draw things on my notebook so i'm like okay we're gonna set you some mental models right and i realized that my churn was really high like people were just getting because i was selling 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 now i'm stopped that more value 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 taking people to youtube videos into this podcast into the ecosystem of me and uh, that was one of the biggest revelations from that. Like, if there's one thing I took from the call, and we can talk about what you took from the call, but for me, it was grow your newsletter and don't fuck it up. Yeah, I think um, it was really interesting to hear the newsletter thing. I also think it was funny because I saw a bunch of people instantly going, oh, but like everyone's doing newsletter, so I need to do newsletter. But I'm also at, at the same time, I'm like, yes, it works, comma, Alex or Mosey, comma. So do many other business models, right? I work with a lot of business models that don't give a fuck about their newsletter and they're doing, you know, five to 10 million a year. So it's like info business can be done in many ways. And that's the thing Um, you can do, you know what I mean? Um, You could do it with just ads and you could have no personal brand. You could have a massive personal brand and do the newsletter low ticket with an upsell. You could do just a combination of ads and personal brand and do high ticket. You could do, you know what I mean? There's a lot of ways to do info. Uh, but I did take from the call is that the newsletter is really a really good long-term play. You build a yes. lot of brand. It's a lot like um, the the analogy you made with Twitch streamers and, and podcasts. It's you spend a lot of time with the person. I think newsletters allow you to spend more time with your audience outside of social media. And I think it's kind of another another aspect of that streaming or podcasting where you get a lot of words in. And it's personal because you're in their email. It's like real, real personal. You're inside with the with their really email or yeah, you're in there. Really man. low. Yeah, they had to give you that email, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? It's like in social media, like you could just be put in front of someone. With an email, they had to give you that, and now you're delivering. It's like you're building trust. So um, I think it's interesting, and it's it's funny because the old me would have been like, newsletter, like it's so old. How can it, you know what I mean? Like who's reading newsletters? But now I'm like, okay, maybe they're making a return. I think people, everything happens in a pendulum in the internet, and I think uh, I think newsletters are pretty timeless. I'm interested, like, I feel like one day emails will go away, but I don't think that's in this decade. <laughs> Which means there's 10 years to make money. Yeah, you have 10 years to do your to do your news. I mean, with Apple Vision Pro, I think that that is like the first step towards like maybe something getting us out of, uh, out of the MX email life. I think there's going to be some sort of notification that comes like straight to your eyeballs and you can see if you've ever played Cyberpunk, it like, instantly notifies to your eyeball like, i think that's happening one day but until then we're good with email i don't, I don't know if i want that but let me oh I, this this leads me into one thing you know like my favorite account on twitter is um lobo el lobo salvaje and he sent something that was really good so he he, he is like he's friends with a lot of like the right-wing people like very like base bros you know the steak yeah steel and you know, fuck your plastic classic, classic steak guy. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, like, and I was guilty of that too. But when I read that, he just articulated it in a way that really like. So I'm not gonna talk about Apple Vision Pro because I have no fucking clue. Like, what's the implementation of that? I have no clue. Which, by the way, pretty funny. He calls it the eye, as in your eyes, iPhone. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. That's you know, cool. It yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. But he says something that I really like. I already, I want to read it. He says. The majority of right-wing posters will jump online and talk about how bad this, by this is Apple Vision Pro, is. But like all technological advancement, it's neither good or bad, but both. 
the greater something's capacity for good, the greater its capacity for evil. That rule will never change. This will probably be really useful when you consider how valuable it is to not have to use your hands or a screen to use the internet. But the cost of this might be most addictive device yet. I don't know if I'll use it, but I could see why people would, and I could see it giving people an edge and it being a useful tool. What I want you to understand is it's already over and it's been over for a long time. There's nothing you can do to stop this technological investments. You could really opt and not use it, or you can decide which advancements you don't have to, uh, or you can decide which advancements don't have too many drawbacks and use them to your advantage to extract money from the beast and then use that money to build your desired natural lifestyle. The choice is yours. What I wouldn't do is let someone get online and mean me into not using any coming investment in technology to my advantage so that I can accomplish my goals. Something like that. That, I like that point. I like that I, take. I, I like that shit. Because it's like, imagine if you were like, yeah, fuck this internet thing. And the internet thing is coming. Yeah, fuck that. I'm going to do everything on my own. I'm going to walk and give out mail to people like right. like a man. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you're also going to, you know, fucking starve. So I can't think of a single successful uh, tech or any entrepreneur who's not going to at least give it some application and, and test it out and be like, is there an opportunity here? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. In my case, the opportunity was memeing it, using it as Twitter memes. But um, I'm guessing there's going to be a little bit more sophisticated. Oh, yeah. You have to meme, like, you, you have to meme it and then still use it. Like, that's the, that's the real sauce here. You meme it to get the funny engagement and get the traction, and then you still be the one to use it because you realize that it's a brand new technology that could quite literally change everything. That, that, that's a good point of uh, using what's going on in the world as content. Like, Did I talk about that in the last call or was that private? I I don't think we talked about it. So I talked about this and you weren't there as the tweets and clients. Uh, it was my coaching call where a lot of people showed up and, and someone asked me about uh, how to balance all the posts and I gave them my four pillars, um, which I'm happy to give to this podcast because Go. you'll never execute the way we do. So it's, 20, it's four, there's four pillars and I hope I remember them all. Social proof which is your case studies and, and, and et cetera. Uh, there's your personal, which is your your personal stories, your day-to-day life. That's your personal. Um, it was what's trending, what's trending and what is related to your industry right now. You need to capitalize on trending topics and trending things. Everyone does this. Mr. Beast, his most popular video is Squid Game. Even he has capitalizing on what's hot. And then the last one is 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 your tactical niche, competence proving stuff. Um, that's how to write a Twitter thread, how to grow an audience, etc. You need to prove that. You need to have the social proof to back it up. You need to have the personal side of it for your brand, and then you need to have the cap. You need to capitalize on the industry trends and what's hot right now, and how can that can relate to your industry. So those are the four pillars. And if you can balance those four pillars, you will be unstoppable. I like it. Can you give an example of each for people listening? Sure. Um, social proof would just be a case study, a video, interviewing a client, um, going over somebody that succeeded with your SaaS and made a bunch of money, et cetera. That's, it's a case study. It's pretty self-explanatory. Personal. Go to JK's pin thread, his whole story of how he came up from $250 virtual assistant to a million dollar exit. That's, that's that part- felt so uncomfortable, by the way. But, but there's more. But there's more to personal that no one that like when JK says GM and it's his 
fucking it's his uh it's his uh what is it espresso on the balcony of of guatemala like that's personal i count that so you could have a story but you could also have your personal people want to see both then you have um the tactical and the niche stuff so jk could say a thread on how to monetize your audience a thread on how to turn likes into cash a thread on you know what i mean how to grow that's that's the more tactical stuff to prove that he knows what he's talking about he's an expert right because he's already proved to you that there's authority there, but he also wants to really show you that he's the expert. And then there's the industry trends, and that's Twitter just updated that you can now post long-form video, like that What is a Woman video that just came out by Matt Walsh. 90-minute full movie on Twitter got 200 million native views. That's a new feature. You'd be silly to be a Twitter account that talks about Twitter and not be talking about the most important feature to ever come out on Twitter. Like, you're an idiot. I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying. No, you are talking to me, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, 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 how yeah, not? I'm just getting roasted live in front of everyone. Like, if you go to my... I agree. As if you go to... Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're not... You know what I mean? Like, you, you would be silly, right? So, um, like, when everything... When anything... Like, when Apple Vision Pro, like, you should... A hundred percent... Don't be like, huh, I'm not going to tweet about it because everyone else is tweeting about it. Like, my favorite thing was all the idiots who were like, oh, like the 20,000th chat GPT thread. If you didn't write at least one chat GPT thread and you're genuinely say that you're trying to grow on Twitter like you're a fool you are a fool yeah you say that because you just are think you're so cool and you have such an ego that you're too good for the chat GPT it's the most innovative piece of technology to hit the face of the earth in our century and you're like I'm not going to talk about it it's me it's not like maybe you're too good it's that you feel like you're you're over it as in like sure it's, it's like unnecessary you know it's like okay so you could walk to the other town and you could say like oh yeah I, I walked to the other town or you could you know get an Uber and drive you know you, right. it's easier you know <laughs> there's like you can do these things and I uh, you know what I did this week it was kind of weird but I was so tired of reading comments and this is this is DJ Khaled suffering from success kind of shit so don't take it as me being zoppers. like uh, a dick okay so it happens so it burns you out. The notifications burn you out. People trying to use you for engagement and getting, getting, getting your attention, it burns you out. So it's like, what I did was I created a different account, zero followers, zero following. I just put my top, like my top accounts on a list. And it's so much more fun. I remember what it was like to start Twitter in 2020. I was just reading from the people I thought were like the coolest. And I'm just reading these 20 accounts of stuff. And I, I, I said them if you want to see them. But these 20 accounts of stuff. And I'm like, this is so much more fun, right? It's not, I was so burned out, man. And it didn't, what, what burned me out weren't the the content. It's not content consumption that burned me out. It's notification consumption that burned me out. And when I was just reading other people's stuff that are like the greats, I'm like, this is, this is so cool. So I'm kind of getting back into the, the love of Twitter because I kind of fell out of love for a while, but I'm getting back in love with Twitter just by reading the people I want. And it's actually limiting my consumption from millions of users to 20. And it's actually way more fun that way. Where did you put that list of the 20? It's in the, it's in the personal development Slack channel. Gotcha. Um, yeah. it's that And wrapping up here, about, that reminds me, Sam Ovens, um said on a podcast, I think it was a Brian Moncada, but he said... Um, he use he doesn't have a Twitter, but he has a burner Twitter with an egg profile that just only follows five people. And it follows five people who he respects their opinion and that's how he knows what's going on in the world. 
He doesn't consume social media, but he has five people he follows on Twitter that will are active and talking about what's going on in the world. He respects their opinion, and that's it. And that's how he knows what's going on in the world, and that's how he consumes his social media, and that's it. He doesn't post anywhere, and he doesn't consume anywhere, but he has that that five following Twitter. That's based. I like that. And yeah. I think that everybody should like really make an effort to limit your content diet because then you get angry, you get anxious, and if you only consume great content, you will also produce great content. And right. 99% of content, 0.9999% is not great content. Well, I'll say the caveat here, for me, at least as an agency owner, a content marketing agency is I always like to know what's going viral next. Like I love to, I love to know what's going next. I love to know what's popping. I love to know what's working. So I, I intentionally consume a lot of YouTube and Twitter. And that's how it, that's how I've gotten such an edge with my clients is because I know what hook is going to work. I mean, going tweets and clients the past week where I've actually been rewriting people's tweets for them and just like, they're just popping off, right? Because I just know what's going to work now because I'm paying attention to what's working now and not what worked three months ago. And here's the thing about Twitter is like what works today will not work in three weeks. It, it actually changes that fast. I've had clients who had a thread pop off and we just like deleted it and reposted it. And we were like, it got like one tenth the engagement. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it's just like, the way that you write has to continuously change. It happened on TikTok. I mean, like what went viral on TikTok in 2021 would be looked at now and be like, yikes. Like, I mean, <laughs> so it's the same thing. So for me, I intentionally consume in that way. But to your point, I only consume good content from the good guy, like the guys who I know who are ahead, like the Mr. Beast. Like I'm always watching Mr. Beast. What I'm trying to say is you can't control always consuming good content because when you log on Twitter.com, first thing you see, you see the for you tab. You don't see the yeah. your list tab. You know what I mean? Right. So- you will default to scrolling just because we're creatures of habit. And like, just like, you see two points of views, Marcus's point works, my point works. So, you know, take what's yeah. useful, discard what is not. I am a victim of the doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when you said caveat to that, I just heard, I'm just going to justify my addiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're watching, gotta if, go. if, so, gotta if go. one of my future, uh, in a minute, one of my, if one of my future clients is watching this, they'll know I'm always on top of what's coming next. So that's like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. That's, that's we're, we're trying to we're all we're all masking our addiction as business as business decisions. <laughs> yeah. I good. I think that was a good one. What do you think? I like that one. I think I say this every episode, but I'm like, this is the most valuable one yet. But this one was good. We just had like a really smooth transitions this time. I feel like it. It we didn't even have to say the transition very often. Yeah, it's called ADHD, bro. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good stuff, and I'll see you in the next one.